Are you living a lifestyle that represents a conqueror? Are you conquering? It's the question we're going to ask throughout this entire series of messages. And I dare say that we have seen several conquerors over the past several years, over the past several months, several weeks, several days, several hours. And we've seen some conquerors, haven't we? We've been some conquerors, haven't we? We have defeated the enemy. It's not to say we haven't taken our blows, right? Man, we have taken our blows. We have, we have, we have had the shield feel the heat of the fiery dart of the wicked one. We have, we have experienced the breastplate of the righteousness that we bear by taking the blow of the sword of the enemy. We've experienced that. But one thing that we won't do is we won't misappropriate the armor that has been given to us. We know the scripture calls us as conquerors in Romans 8. And Ephesians chapter 6 teaches us that we are to suit up with the armor of God. We're to put on the armor of God and not, not one piece, not one piece over the other piece, but it's pieces in its place. And as we put this, this armor on, we, we make sure that the pieces are in place for the purpose of which these pieces are created. I can just imagine in my mind how messed up a, a warrior would be if their helmet's on crooked. <laughs> I, I love watching football, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm that weird guy that thinks football should be a sport of punishment. Right? We, we, we built it up for so many years to where football's supposed to be, ah! You know, I mean, I literally watched at least halfway grown men in high school jumping up and down, acting like a crazy person. Headhunters. I mean, we had headhunter awards. I mean, you guys, you know, I'm not, we, we had all this kind of stuff to where, I mean, it was brutal. I was, I was the crazy guy who was the split end who used to run the inside seam routes. And for all of you defensive people that loved to hit people, I was the dummy that didn't mind getting hit. <laughs> One day, I was running a, on dummy team offense. For those of you who don't know that is, that means I wasn't starting offense. <laughs> so we were, the, we were the dummy team for the defense. And the starting defense is out there practicing. And, and there was a guy who played outside linebacker. He was a senior when I was in the 10th grade. Grew up with a guy. His name's Chris Mangum. He went on and played for Alabama one year. That's the year 1992. Gene Stallings led a roll tide to a, to a national championship. Beat Miami in the, in, the play, in, in, the, in the playoff that year. Or not playoff, but whatever bowl it was. I think it was 34 to 13, something like that. In my memory. Anyway, he went on. It's not about Alabama, Andy. He went on and played for Ole Miss. I mean, he was just a, he was just a huge guy. I remember watching it. Be quiet. I remember watching this guy. <laughs> I remember watching this guy in high school bench press 400 pounds like it was nothing, right? Which is a little less than what I did. But anyway, um, so, so this guy was much of a man, I'm telling you. And so we had this drill to where we did crackback blocking. 
And so we, we were trying to teach the outside linebackers to be, be peripheral vision, right? And so I had the pleasure of running slot routes and inside seams and all of these things, and, 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 and I had the pleasure to crack back block. And Chris Mangum, he mistreated me <laughs> many times on the practice field. And one day, Coach Tim White calls the, on my side a crackback block. And so, man, I'm eyeballing him. Got him in the target. He ain't never going to know this 155 pounds is fitting to hit that 250 pounds and make him feel it. Hut, I go, and he's shuffling. If you know anything about football, he's all of a sudden, he does what the coach taught him to do. <laughs> Out of the peripheral vision, he catches me. And Craig, all of a sudden, I just see my feet and the clouds in the same place. And I think to myself, that ain't supposed to happen. And then I hit the ground and I get up and my helmet's turned sideways. <laughs> and I, if, you, if you know anything about rough football, you know there are times to where you don't have to see through the face mask. You can see through the ear hole. Right? It's one of those moments. For me to be able to get back in the game, I had to make sure the helmet was where the helmet needed to be. We as conquerors need to make sure that this armor that we have is suited on us right and appropriately. And one of the best things we can do is make sure the helmet is where the helmet needs to be because it is a helmet of salvation and we are to be dressed well for the battle. Anybody sense the fierceness of the battle? We've been, we've been going through this series of messages more than a conqueror, and we are, we are taking our time and being spirit-led as we journey through the book of Joshua. And so far, we've, we've learned from Romans 8, 37, nay, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him, Jesus, who loved us, and that there is absolutely nothing, nothing this world could throw at us that could cause our defeat. I love Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers reminds us, that preacher who, who, who is still preaching from the grave, he said, we don't fight for victory as a Christian, but we are fighting from victory as a Christian. <laughs> and that's who we are. That's, that's what we get when we link up, link up with Jesus who, who loved us. And, and now we are more than conquerors, not just a conqueror. We are hyponikeo. It, we, are, we, are, we are more than a conqueror because of Jesus who loved us. Therefore, it's not just a, a plane of conquering, but more than conquering. We are, we are super abundant in our victory because of Christ. And so things of this world cannot not suppose defeat upon us, and not height nor depth nor creature nor angel nor, nor death nor life nor nor anything, peril or sword, none of this can be defeat for us. But we are more than conquerors. And we've been looking through the book of Joshua, and we've learned how we can be encouraged as a conqueror. That we don't have to live fearful or timid, but we can be courageous as conquerors. As a matter of fact, you can't be a conqueror unless you're courageous. You have to be. Courageous. Where do you get your courage from? 
Is it because you have all this talent and because you are so smart? Now, I'm looking at a crowd that is super talented and extra smart, but it can't come from there because there's questions you don't know and things you can't do. It's got to be in the one who knows all things and can do all things. And that's where we get our courage from in Christ. And we can be encouraged in that courage as we continue to trust. And we are full of faith. And we are living with a desire of purity. And if you've been a part of the studies through the book of Joshua, you see that that's brought us from chapter 1 all the way through to where we were at last as we learned of Achan's sin in Joshua chapter 7. Now, I want to remind you that we're not doing an expository type series of messages through the book of Joshua. What that means is, is we're not reading every verse and we're not, we're not making sure that we hit every subject. During quarantine and the time between March the 15th and May the 24th, we went through the book of James, of course, via social media, and we read every book through every verse through the book of James, and that was expository. Here, we're just, we're just being spirit-led, and, and, and we're hitting, hitting place here and there as we understand the, the, the idea of being more than a conqueror through the example of the life of Joshua. And we see that Joshua with Israel was supposed to go against a small nation named Ai, but a man of Israel took the accursed thing, the thing God told them not to do, and disobedience always leads to cursing, and therefore Achan is cursed, thinking he's blessed. You know, that's one of the worst places in life to be when you are cursed, but you think you're blessed. And so he is, he's at that place, and we know that, that, that God's Word already teaches us, be sure that your sin will find you out. And surely his sin found him out as Joshua seeks the face of the Lord after Israel is turned away like a bunch of whimpering, scolded children back to the huddle from little nation Ai who should have been easily defeated. And so Joshua seeks the face of the Lord and reveals... God reveals to Joshua there's sin in the camp. It has to be dealt with, and it's dealt with. We talked about that last week. Therefore, we should desire and seek after, seek after purity, right? And so what we want to do tonight is instead of, again, going verse by verse and chapter by chapter, we were in chapter 7, but we're going to fast forward to chapter 10. So if you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to the book of Joshua, Genesis, Exodus, Follows on through. It's, it's the sixth book, if I, if I got my counting right, starting from Genesis on in the Old Testament. So Joshua and Israel reattempts to conquer Ai. Joshua goes before the Lord and he prays and gets direction from the Lord and gets a word from God in chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. He gets the battle plan from God in verse 3, that he is to send not 3,000 to 5,000 soldiers to attack this small Ai, but instead he is going to use 30,000 men of valor to go against Ai. And in the battle plan, they're going to set an ambush that is going to work. And you see in chapter 8, verse 4 through 20, or 35, that that plan. And then they conquer Ai. And then as, as things progress, you'll find out the book of Joshua is a book about conquering. The book of Joshua is a book about battles. 
The book of Joshua is about gaining land that has been promised. The book of Joshua is about keeping on, keeping on in the fight. And so we see one conquering opportunity after another conquering opportunity because as long as we have breath in our lungs and blood pumping through our veins, as long as we are above the dirt and upright and living, we will always face some battle. We will always have opportunity of something to conquer. You are called as a soldier Don't get entangled with the affairs of this world. But instead, as he who called you is faithful, he will do it. You stay faithful to him in the calling and equipping of you as a soldier. And so we are, we're always looking and always ready. We wake up with sword in hand and armor on, ready to fight the battle. And so they go from from Jericho to Ai, and then from Ai, there are one after another. At one point, there's five kings in between chapter 8 and chapter 10, and and, and there's other kings that hear about the fame of Joshua and Israel, even dating back further than that, that Moses, with Moses, God led Moses through the the Red Sea on dry ground and how he swallowed up uh, uh, Egypt's Pharaoh and all of the army there and all the amazing things that God done in the life of of Israel. And so everybody's hearing this and and there's fame being brought and and as Joshua is, 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 if if you've studied, if you've read, if you've been a part of this study, you remember that one of the first messages we talked about, we made sure that we hit verse three of chapter one of Joshua to where God said, I'm gonna be with you as I was with Moses and and, and this is what you need to know, Joshua, wherever the sole of your foot treads, that land is given to you. And people hear that. People, people know that they have a God in Israel who can, who can perform this thing. And so the, the word's out, guys. And so there are alliances being made for the purpose of upsetting Joshua and the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, uh, go back, don't have time to do all this reading, go back and you read in chapter 9 that there was a, a certain group of people called the Hivites and, 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 and uh, they, they were of the land of Gibbon. If I'm pronouncing these names right, it may not be, but um, they, they, they kind of tricked Joshua into believing that they were a people from a far off place. They wore old shoes and old clothes and they had moldy, crusty bread and, and, and they came to, to Joshua and the leaders of Israel and said, we've been on a long journey. We heard about all that God has done. We believe in your God. Make a pact with us to, to help us and we'll help you and, and we want to be your slaves and your servants and, 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 and we just need your protection because you obviously are kicking tails and taking names and we need you on our side. And Joshua said without consulting the Lord, okay, and made a pact with this group of people. And so... It's really kind of a crazy story that leads us from there into chapter 10. In chapter 10, we see where, where, where Joshua has to keep the word to his pack, and, and, and he and Israel help defend this group of people from these kings who have consulted together to try to defeat that small nation. And, and God, 
God did something miraculous in that battle, just like he did something miraculous in the battle of Jericho, just like he eventually did something miraculous with the battle of Ai, because in the midst of every single battle, there can be found an amazing miracle. In the midst of every battle, there is a miracle. And so it was with this stance Joshua takes with these people. If you, if you were to just look before verse 12, we're going to get to this in just a minute, but if you'll look before those verses, you'll see that, that, that God uh, ran off the Amorites uh, as, as, as they are doing their best to protect the small nation, and, and, and God sends hailstones from the sky that, that actually kills more men by that than the nation of Israel did by sword or by the battle. It's a miracle. But this is... This is where we're at tonight. And so Joshua chapter 10, verse 12 through 14. Then spake Joshua unto the Lord in the days when the Lord, the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibbon, Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Agilon, and the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hastened not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it, nor after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice, unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. If you're careful as we go through this journey through Joshua, you'll find that that becomes more and more common. We, we, we talked already about the battle of Jericho, that there is a God who is unconventionally usual. And that sounds like a contradiction in terms, but God oftentimes does the unconventional thing, but at least he's consistent in doing something unconventional, right? <laughs> and so he, he does it again. He, he, he rained hellfire down from the sky, meteorites, whatever you want to call it, and it destroys the enemy there. And, 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 and now here we see yet another time to where God does this miracle in the midst of the conquering. If you want to trace things back to Christ the conqueror for us and over us, you'll see how Jesus actually, by his his love conquered some things in you, for you, over you, for the sake of you, to get you to where you can be more than a conqueror for him. And in the middle of all that, there was some amazing miracles that happened, right? Why in the world would God want to save a 15-year-old little punk whose mouth was vulgar and his attitude was pathetic and if you looked at his situation in life, if you looked about his circumstances, he was nothing to worry with because he was nothing to be made of. And yet Jesus, because he is the conqueror, conquered my sin, conquered my pride, and conquered my pathetic attitude, and conquered my vulgarity, and conquered conquered me and in a miracle saved me 
in a home of alcoholism and vulgarity and no direction and, and lostness and forgetfulness in the midst of all that was there. And, and, and I know that every single person here could say the exact same thing, how this conquering king conquered us and called us to be more than conquerors. And in that is so many miracles. And so we see that there are, there are miracles in the battle. Miracles in the battle. I remember reading, uh, I love history. And so I do a lot of, a lot of reading about history, short facts or whatever, uh, history books, what, whatever it could be. And I remember reading stories of, about George Washington, about how George Washington would go into battles and he would lead the, uh, what we are now, the United States of America, into liberty from uh, the oppression of, of Great Britain or England. And, and so... You, you probably remember hearing the whole story about the, the, the Boston Tea Party and, and, and the liberation movement of all of that and, and, and the Great Revolution took place. And, and so there's George Washington coming in from those battles and people were wondering how in the world can this man who oftentimes would sit on a large white horse in the midst of the battlefield and yet not be taken out, who would be a very obvious object of, of, of the intent of the enemy to take out, and yet he would come home and or, or come to the to, to, to the barracks, and, and there would be nothing wrong with him. And the testimony was, now, is it true? I, I don't know. I can't I can't tell you with hundred percent confidence that it's true. But but just in some of the records of history, that he would take off his outer garments and flap them off to get the dust off of them before he hung them up, and other soldiers would see bullet holes as the sun would shine through the garment before he would hang it up. And yet he wasn't hit. <laughs> and we just talking about the founding of a, of a country. Jesus is founding a kingdom. <laughs> Jesus is establishing his kingdom. And, and, and we, we... We see that in, in, in the midst of all the battles that we face as conquerors, there, there are miracles. And, 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 and I believe that as we look through this, these few verses, we can see that there are at least three main ingredients to the miracle in the battle. And it's not necessarily something that, that, that we all think we have to do in it, but just to be aware of the fact of it as it presents itself as opportunities to it. I think the first ingredient to a miracle inside of the battle is just Waiting on God in the midst of the battle. Waiting to wait on God. I, I broke my, my right ankle in 2008. Most of you guys know that. Dr. Penny Lawen was my doctor. Um, I, you guys are not going to believe this, so you need to pay attention, okay? You're not going to believe this, but I'm not a very patient person. Believe it or not, I know. Shocker. And so I'm, I'm chomping at the bits. I'm talking to my doctor. When can I, when can I, when can I, when can I, when can I? And she finally tells me, she says, Andy, patience is a virtue. Amen. Patience is, is such a virtue. Vance Havner said this, he who waits on God wastes no time. If 
We're waiting on God. We're not waiting. This is my mindset. If I'm still, if I'm stopped, if I'm waiting, I'm wasting. And that's not God's manner of waiting on him. In the midst of the battle, sometimes we need to practice the spiritual discipline of just waiting on God. So what, is, what does that look like? Waiting, waiting does not always mean no activity. It means sometimes a change of activity. It may sometimes just mean a different service with a different intent and a different direction. I think Isaiah has a good word for us in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. You guys know this verse. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord, I am patient. I am trusting. I know that in the midst of this battle, there can be a miracle that God can work, but there's got to be this ingredient of waiting. And I don't know how it happens, but there's a renewing of strength, and there is a mounting up with wings as eagles, and there is running, and there is no wearying, and there is walking, and there is no fainting. But all the good things we can experience don't come until the first thing happens of obedience. Just wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. What, is it, what does it mean to wait? What does it mean? What does it look like to wait? Well, to wait means that you're trusting what you're waiting on is coming. Now, wait a minute. Somebody should have said, wow. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> To, to wait, you don't wait on what you don't trust is going to be appropriate, correct, fulfill a need or whatever it is. Most of the time when we get impatient, it's because we don't have control of what we're waiting on and therefore our impatience says, let me get control of this. What's going on there? How come this need isn't being met here? What's the deal? And you don't believe it? Next time you're waiting in a drive-thru at a fast food restaurant and you get irritated because it took five minutes for you to get that hamburger instead of 45 seconds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if you trust the people in there that they're making your hamburger and they're going to do it right, and when it comes out that window in that bag, you ain't got to check it before you drive off. How many of y'all are checkers? You're checkers, right? Yeah. Did I get my cheesy fries? Yeah. You, you. But if you trust the person, if you trust the establishment, if you trust God in your waiting, then you're not tapping your fingers and bouncing your leg and wondering what's taking so long. You just, you just trust him. You just trust him. You're, 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 you're not laughing at the promise of God like Sarah did when angel brought the word to Abraham that they in their old age would have a child, but instead you're, 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 you're anticipating, you're, you're, you're trusting, you're, you're not hurrying the plan along by bringing Hagar in to, to be Abraham's wife, to have a child. That's, that's not what you're doing if it takes 25 minutes or 25 years. I'm waiting in the battle. I'm trusting because I know that this is an ingredient to a miracle that is about to happen. It's quite okay. Maybe because they're, we're in the midst of this battle and we're not experiencing the miracle, 
might be because we're not expressing the patience that's needed. <laughs> Just be patient. Wait on God. Second ingredient is praying bold prayers. We talked a little bit about that last night in our meeting. Billy Sunday, a preacher a long time ago, said this, if you are a stranger to prayer, you are a stranger to power. If you are a stranger to prayer, you are a stranger to power. Well, I just, I, I, there, I'm, I'm weak. I, I run and get weary. I walk and I'm faint. I, I'm growing weary in well-doing and I'm fainting before the reaping. And, and what's going on? Why is this happening? It may be because we... We're a stranger to prayer. Not, not. Listen, guys, and I, I, I feel more of a, uh, more of a drawing to this thought than I have felt in quite some time. But and and I understand that there are there are um, seasons of life that we're in, and I understand that there are uh, stages of growth that we find ourselves in. But when I'm talking about prayer at this point in the message. I want you to understand that I'm not talking about God is great, God is good, now lay me down to sleep kind of praying. God, thank you for my food, amen, kind of praying. I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about getting real before God praying. I'm talking about in an intimate time to where God is reading me kind of praying. And when that, that, that time of prayer is, is engaged and, and, and we're no longer a stranger to, to prayer because we're, we're, we're experiencing the power, then, then, then we can pray these prayers of boldness. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying to where we think in boldness we're telling God what to do, but God is empowering us because God is changing us in the midst of our prayer. I don't know if you've ever gone before God in prayer and you had all this you wanted to say to God in this prayer, but then you started your prayer and God began starting his talk to you and all of a sudden, the things you were going to tell God about, God said, no, 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 that don't even matter. Here's what you need to know and you leave that time of prayer with a completely different agenda than when you started the prayer. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about real praying. I get into the presence of God to where there's an altar to where you're sacrificed on and then there is an altar in your life to where you're changed. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. Hebrew writer, seeing then that we have a great high priest, understand the book of Hebrews is the understanding for us between Leviticus and Malachi and the understanding of the cross and the work of Jesus as the high priest. Here when he says, seeing that we have a great high priest, he's talking about Jesus that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, seeing how, seeing how we have him, <laughs> let, us hold, let us hold on to that profession of faith. Hey guys, it's worth holding on to, right? 15 years old, 30 years ago, when I said yes to Jesus, I'm coming up on an anniversary, guys. At the end of February, 
1991 is when I said yes to Jesus. And I've been saying yes every moment since then. Yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Jesus knows what you're going through. Jesus knows exactly what areas of temptation you face. He overcame those. And you say, well, wait a minute. Were there those things back that day that I deal with today? Did Jesus have to deal with the issues of social media? And No, no, but you got to understand there are basically three veins of temptation that every human being will face. Adam and Eve faced it in the Garden of Eden. The fruit was pleasant to the eyes. Desired to make one wise. There was the lusting of the, the flesh. There was the pride of life. There was the lusting of the eyes. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Jesus dealt with it when he was tempted of by Satan in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Turn this stone into bread. Jump off the pinnacle. God will rescue you with his angels. If you would just bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. He's been touched with the same uh, feelings of our infirmities and, and tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, he is the great high priest. Then he says this. I think all of this builds up. Now, of course, there's, there's a whole lot more verses. 13 before verse 14. It's just the way numbers work. But this is, this is where we're going to. Let us therefore come, because he's the high priest, because he can feel as we have felt and be tempted as we have been tempted, yet we failed and he did not fail. Because of that, let us come before the throne of grace boldly so that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I'm a conqueror. You're a conqueror. We're conquering. We're supposed to be conquering, right? That's what we're supposed to do. Let us pray with boldness a prayer. This is something unique about this, this word here. Strong's Concordance says the word boldness means all outspokenness, frankness, bluntness. Not as though God is telling us what to do, but that God is reshaping our thoughts, our heart, our intention, and what we are to do. <laughs> now you say, Andy, you read Joshua chapter 10. You never went back to Joshua chapter 10. This is really where Joshua chapter 10 takes place. They are conquering... <laughs> They are, they are facing this battle. It seems like the day is going to end before they get the upper hand. And there has to be a waiting on God through the process. But then Joshua looks up and Joshua asks something that has never been asked before and never have been done since. And what is that? He with boldness, sun stand still and moon be stayed. And it happened and it's never happened like that. Before time stood still, therefore there was a waiting. It's a prayer that was prayed that was bold. But then the last thought is believing in God in the moment for the moment because God is the God of the moment. What moment are you living in right now? Well, 
I'm dealing with these emotional issues in my life. I'm dealing with this threat here in my life. I'm, I'm struggling relationally here. And so we've got all of these issues and we have to look beyond the issue into the spiritual battle and we have to see, we have to see as we look beyond all of that that God has us here in this moment to conquer not a person or an individual. It's not how we fight our battles. But a temptation, a sin. We, we are to we're to conquer in a spiritual manner. And so we recognize that, 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 that for every soldier who is fighting a battle, there is a time to fight the battle, and there is a time to rest from the battle. There is a time to engage in war. There is a time to walk over the issues of war, the, the parts of the conquering and the, the dead that is beneath our feet. And we see in all of this that we are to continue to believe in the God of the moment who is bigger than the moment. Dwight L. Moody put it this way. Faith takes God without any ifs. Faith takes God without any ifs. Sometimes my faith operates like this. God, I believe if. How many, how many have, a, have a faith that has too many ifs in it? God, for Joshua in this moment, wanted Joshua to believe in the moment. The, the crazy thing about, about the idea of the moment in which they were in is, is God is not bound in that moment. God is not contained in that moment, although the moment was created for Joshua and not just Joshua, because according to Romans 15, 4, everything that was written aforetime were written for our learning so that we in the year 2020 can come in this room and talk about being more than conquerors and look at this example in the book of Joshua and see that Joshua was more than a conqueror and we can see that God was God in the moment as God was God over the moment and if he was so for Joshua he is so for you he's so for you we, we try to we try to build a hedge around God in the fierceness of the battle <laughs> And God cannot be hedged in. I love that, that 2 Peter 3 verse 8 reminds us of the eternal existence of God. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. What? What do you... What do you mean? What, what, is, what is this verse even talking about? Let me just put it in good old Scott County vernacular. You wear a watch because that's how you have to operate in life. God don't have to have a watch on. You operate by a calendar. God was 
yesterday, thousands of years ago, today, and thousands and million years ahead, all at the same time, right now. God is... God cannot be bound by what he has created. He created time. He created the moment. He didn't create the moment for himself, but he created the moment for us. Is there a moment in your battling to where there is a need for you to call out to God to be over the moment You wait on him. That's an ingredient. You're trusting in the waiting. You're believing in the moment. You're praying these bold prayers. If I were to summarize all of these thoughts, it's, it's really so simple. Prayer that is fueled by faith, boldness, and patience produces miracles in the battle for the conqueror. So it was with Joshua. I say all the time, When we're going through budgeting life, budgeting life, several of you guys have been through budgeting life. I give a a 5 a.m. to 9.30 or 10 p.m. schedule Monday or Sunday through through, through, uh, through Saturday, and and we talk about the budget of time, and and we compare it to budgeting money. Some of you guys got more money than I got, and some of you, I may have more money than you got, and we can be different in the scales of money, how much you got and how little you got and all that kind of stuff, but the one thing we're all equally rich and poor in is time. It's 24 hours in a day. There's only been one time to where you can get more than 24 out of a day. And that's the day that the the time stood still. It's a miracle in the battle that was needed for that moment. But the only way it came was there was a bold prayer that was prayed. I know that this is, this is going to be weird for some of us. Right? Who's up for something weird tonight? Amen. Who's just wanting to go home and eat a bologna sandwich and go to bed? If you're eating bologna sandwiches, you need to go to bed. <laughs> I think we need to pray. That's what I think we need to do. Pray. It's the last time you prayed a bold prayer. You think you can outpray God's ability? <laughs> Do you think that you can shock God with some word that you come up with? No. Nah. I think we need to pray some bold prayers.